Okay, so this is part one of our lecture series on chapter four. And of course, we are talking about antibiotics. Um, a lot of different things to kind of dive into with this particular chapter. I'm going to try to chop it up for you so that you're not taking it all in in one sitting. So as far as chapter four is concerned, let's go ahead and take a look at some of the basics that you need to know as far as antibiotics are concerned. First thing, why do we need antibiotics? Well, there's really two main reasons. There's either bacteria or it's infection or it's kind of a combination of both a bacterial infection. There is a clear, distinct difference between a bacterial infection and a viral infection, and you need to be aware of that. When we're talking about viral things, like, say, for example, the flu, the flu is a virus, um, antibiotics are not necessarily going to help treat those. Now, in certain cases, like with the flu, um, we do have some antibiotics that we do give in addition to antiviral drugs. But again, antibiotics are only going to treat these bacterial infections. They are going to be ineffective against viral things. Most viruses, and you know, probably the most common one is the common cold, that's something that's just got to run its course. Okay. Antibiotics are needed when there's infection, especially when there's bacteria involved. So there's two types of bacteria that you need to be aware of. There's aerobic and anaerobic. Easy way to remember this, in my opinion, aerobic. Think of exercise, like what happens when you exercise. Uh, you, you've heard of the term doing aerobics, things like that. And of course, if you were going to exert a lot of energy doing aerobics and things like that, what would you need? You would need oxygen to get through. So aerobic versus anaerobic. Aerobic needs oxygen in order to survive, whereas anaerobic survives in the absence of oxygen. Okay. All right. So let's talk about what you need to be aware of as far as your role as a pharmacy technician. There's a couple of different things here. First, if it is a reconstitutable, okay, which you're going to do a lot of powder antibiotics because you're going to be dealing uh, a lot with antibiotics that go to children. Um, you know, my children uh, had a lot of ear infections. Um, so that's something that is extremely common amongst kids strep throat, those types of things, things that seem to go around and then create um, those upper respiratory infections, um, a nasal infection, those types of things. So first things first, these reconstitutables, make sure to mix it exactly as it is instructed by the manufacturer. This is nothing new to you. We did this in our lab, in our reconstitution lab. You know exactly that you need to read the bottle. You need to understand how much water you need in order to mix it. So I feel very good about that. The other thing, we need to make sure to continuously um, uh, clean our trays that we're counting the medication on. And this is something that um, is going to come up in the test. And I'll go ahead and, and, and write the term for you now so that you, you understand it. Isopropyl. You are going to clean your trays with isopropyl alcohol, which you're familiar with isopropyl. We talked about it when we were, um, I'm sure that you guys used it when, when preparing IVs and things like that. So please remember that. Um, why do why do we want to make absolutely sure that we're swabbing down our trays when, after using antibiotics? Well, first of all, a lot of antibiotics can leave a residue. Um, residue behind. 
And you have to remember that patients might be allergic to it. Okay. So those are some things that you have to think about as far as when you are doing antibiotic prep. Okay. Okay. What about our side effects of antibiotics? Okay. First of all, the majority of antibiotics are taken on an empty stomach. This helps the absorption process faster. This isn't always the case, but this is the case most of the time. It is going to be up to the technician to identify this, make sure that the patient has these specific drugs, uh, excuse me, specific directions if they need to. Um, that, that's going to be on us, okay? Let's talk about what's going on in the world. There is something called antimicrobial resistance, and <clears throat> this was actually in your <clears throat> pre-quiz, in your Chapter 4 pre-quiz. And if I remember correctly, and I'm, I'm thinking about this off the top of my head, it was a true-false, and the true-false said, um, uh, true or false, antimicrobial resistance is occurring due to um, over-prescribing, or no, I'm sorry, over-manufacturing, something to that effect. And that statement is actually false. The reason that we're having antimicrobial resistance is actually because there is an over-prescribing going on. Sometimes antibiotics are just thrown out easily to a patient. You know, patient says, I've got a cold, give me an antibiotic. And what happens over time is the humans, we begin, our bodies begin to build a resistance to the antibiotics. And so that starts to occur. So you've got overuse and misuse. Sometimes people self-medicate. They've got antibiotics laying around the house that they didn't finish the first time, which is a whole nother point in of itself. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. But the main point here is overuse, misuse. And what can end up happening actually is that over time, and, and, and of course I'm talking about specific patients, a super infection may occur. And when you're talking about a super infection, it is very difficult to find antibiotics that are going to treat it. Um, you're usually talking about hospitalization and you're talking about very dangerous. Um, yeah, you don't want to be in that situation. We don't want our patients being in that position. So on your PowerPoints here, I put up one thing about antimicrobial resistance. It is a growing threat um, because of this overuse. Now, this chart is very interesting. What this map shows is this is what the what's going to be going on by the year 2050. These are going to be the amount of deaths. Um, and this this study was released in 2014. But this is the estimated amount of deaths every year due to antimicrobial resistance. And what do we mean here? We mean that these are the amounts of deaths that's going to occur over the course of a year because we don't have the medication to treat it. Now, with that said, um, the pandemic has certainly thrown a wrench into all this. Um, the wrench has, pro excuse me, the pandemic has probably altered this data um, somewhat. But uh, with that said, still, literally millions of patients dying because the drugs that we have available to us cannot fight the infections that we're that are developing so how do we play a part in stopping or slowing down this antimicrobial resistance well it's very simple and to the point 
compliance, compliance, compliance. Our patients have to be compliant when taking these antibiotics. So there's two things here. Number one, they have to take it exactly as directed. They have to take it correctly. If it's one twice a day, they need to do that. The second part is they need to take the full course. See, the issue a lot of times with patients is that, you know, if they have a 10-day course of antibiotics, they felt they have felt so sick for so long that when, you know, day seven rolls around and they're feeling way better, then they feel like, okay, I'm cured. I'm done. They cannot stop there. It is absolutely critical that our patients take the amount of medication that is prescribed for them and take it until they are finished. When that occurs, then you have a less chance of the infection coming back because if they take the full dose, the full course, okay, what we are making absolutely sure of is that we're killing off this bacteria. And the reason that this antimicrobial resistance is occurring not only is because of overuse, but uh, it's because of misuse, okay, because people stop their therapy before they're supposed to. And then really, they think they feel better, but what really happened is they still have not killed off the 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 strain, the bacteria yet. And so what's going to happen? The bacteria is going to come back. It's going to grow stronger. It's actually going to learn how to fight the antibiotic that the patient just took. And then what's going to happen? The patient needs to find a newer, stronger antibiotic and the cycle can continue to go. So this antimicrobial piece that we're talking about here, um, antimicrobial resistance piece, really important. And we play a major role in that. Final thing we're going to talk about, this again is the intro to the chapter, okay? These are the, there are tons of different antibiotic classes, major classes. I'm only going to focus on a few, so I want you to go ahead and make a note of which ones I'm wanting you to take a look at. The first one is called sulfonamides. The second one is penicillins. The third one is cephalosporins. The fourth one is macrolides, and the fifth one is quinolones, and I'm actually going to throw in a sixth one, and it's going to be other. There's going to be an other category, okay? I'll see if I can highlight that. Uh, that did not work, but y'all get my idea here. So sulfonamides, penicillin, cephalosporins, macrolides, quinolones, and other. These are going to be the classes that you are responsible for. You are going to, you're not necessarily going to be responsible for tetracyclines. You're going to be responsible for a particular tetracycline. Okay, so with that said, this is the intro to the chapter. We will continue on with more um, information here in just a moment.